0: We're grateful that you've chosen to listen to the Notable Speeches podcast. Thanks so much. Today, an address by Harvard University professor and former head of the American Enterprise Institute, Arthur Brooks, presented at the 2020 National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. Arthur Brooks is a former classical musician, a French horn player, who in his late 20s and early 30s made a career change. He earned degrees in economics and public policy analysis, and went on to teach at Syracuse University. He was named president of the American Enterprise Institute, a leading free enterprise think tank, in 2009, then moved to Harvard last year, where he teaches at both the Kennedy School of Government and the Harvard Business School. Arthur Brooks is the author of Who Really Cares? The Surprising Truth About Compassionate Conservatism, released in 2007, and his latest from 2019, Love Your Enemies, how decent people can save America from the culture of contempt. Here is Arthur Brooks addressing a crowd of about 3,500, including President Donald Trump, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and many other U.S. leaders, along with representatives from more than 120 other nations, at the National Prayer Breakfast on February 6, 2020.
1: Mr. President, what an honor to be with you. Vice President Pence, Speaker Pelosi, all of you. I am so honored and grateful to join you at the National Prayer Breakfast today. As you've heard, I'm not a priest. I'm not a minister. I'm a social scientist and a university professor. But most importantly, I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus who taught each of us to love God. And who taught us to love each other. Today I'm here to talk to you about the biggest crisis facing our nation and many other nations today. It's the crisis of contempt and polarization that's tearing our societies apart. But if I do my job in the next 10 minutes, I promise not to depress you. On the contrary, I'm gonna show you why I believe that this crisis, in this crisis, resides the greatest opportunity we have ever had as people of faith to lift our nations up and to bring our people together. Now, as leaders, you all know perfectly well, better than anyone, that when you have an old problem, like the problem of contempt and polarization, that the the old solutions don't work. You have to think differently. All new solutions come from new thinking. That's as true in public policy as it is in your personal lives. (laughs) Here's an example of the latter. My friends, I have three children, two of whom are still teenagers. Pray for me. (laughs) My second son, Carlos, uh, two years ago when he was still in high school here in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, he uh, he had led us to have a a terrible parent-teacher conference, my wife Esther and I. We were with the head of the school and it was a grades problem. He was not living up to his potential. It was an old problem. It was ongoing. It was getting worse his grades what's going to happen well afterward it was grim my wife esther and i we were in the car i was driving we're silent finally she said we need to think about this old problem in an entirely new way and i said i'm all ears sweetheart i'm at the end of my rope she said at least we know he's not cheating That's new thinking. (laughs) And to start us today on this path of new thinking about the crisis of contempt and polarization, I want to turn to the words of the ultimate new thinker, history's greatest social entrepreneur, and as a Catholic, my personal Lord and Savior, Jesus. Here's what he said. as recorded in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5, verse 44. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of the Father in heaven. My friends, that is the theme of this breakfast today. Love your enemies. That's thinking differently. It changed the world starting 2,000 years ago. And it's as subversive and counterintuitive today as it was then. Problem is, the devil's in the details. How do you do it? How do you do it in a country, in a world that's being roiled by political hatred and differences that we just can't seem to bridge? Well, to begin, we need to make it personal. We need to make the problem personal. I remember it when it became personal to me. I make my living speaking. I do about 175 speeches a year. It's a privilege. And I speak to all different audiences, conservatives, liberals, Believers, atheists, everybody. What a privilege. In 2014, one morning, I was giving a speech to a large group of conservative political activists, 600 people, very fired up. And I got there a little bit early and I looked at the program, all the other speakers, and I I realized I was the only one on the program not running for president. (laughs) I thought to myself, that's a mistake. But there aren't any mistakes, my friends. There's only opportunities. So I asked myself, what can I say that politicians can't? The answer is, anything I want. (laughs) So I gave my speech, and in the middle I stopped. And I said, my friends, you've been giving a lot of applause to the speakers here today, and you agree with them, and I agree with them too. But I want you to remember the people who aren't here. They're not here, they wouldn't be comfortable. They wouldn't be comfortable because they don't agree with these ideas. Who are they? Political liberals. I want you to remember, they're not stupid and they're not evil. They're just Americans who disagree with us on public policy. And if you want to persuade them, which you should, you can only do it one way, and that's with love. It was not an applause line. Thank you. Finally, the applause I've been waiting so long for. But a a lady said to me, she said, you're wrong. They are stupid and evil. And at that moment, my mind went to Seattle. Why? Because it's my hometown. As some of you know, Seattle is the most politically progressive place in the United States. My father was a college professor. My mother was an artist in Seattle, Washington. What do you think their politics were? <laughs> I'm politically conservative. I'm the outlier in my own family. Let me tell you something about my parents. They were not stupid and they were not evil. <laughs> they were followers of Jesus and brought me up as a Christian. They gave me good values and they taught me to think for myself which I did at great inconvenience to them. (laughs) That day, political polarization became personal to me, and I want it to be personal to you on this day. So let me ask you this. How many of you love somebody with whom you disagree politically? I'm gonna round that off to 100%. (laughs) The rest of you are on your phones. Are you comfortable hearing someone on your side insult that person that you love? Make it personal, my friends. This reminds me of a lesson my father taught me about moral courage. We're always taught that we need to stand up to the people with whom we disagree. And that is a good thing to do. Look, we need a competition of ideas. This is America. But the great thing about America is there's no knock in the night and no jackbooted thug just because people disagree with us. God bless this country. We've achieved this. so moral courage is not standing up to the people with whom you disagree moral courage is standing up to the people with whom you agree on behalf of those with whom you disagree can you do it are you up for it Hmm. (laughs) why can't we do it why am I so bad at that I'm not gonna lie Why aren't we doing this more? Why can't we get out of this dark place that we don't like? Some people say we're too angry. Everybody's angry with each other. Look at television, screaming, terrible, social media. It's very dark. I don't think it's anger. Anger is a hot emotion that says, I care what you think and I wanna change it. You know, psychologists have actually found that, that anger and divorce are uncorrelated. I've been married for 28 years to a Spaniard. And I want to tell you the secret to my 28 years of happy marriage. It's the lack of correlation between anger and divorce. (laughs) The problem isn't anger, my friends. The problem is what psychologists call contempt. Arthur Schopenhauer, the great 19th century philosopher, said that contempt is the conviction of the utter worthlessness of another human being. When you are treated with contempt, you never forget it. The world's leading uh, expert in marital reconciliation is Dr. John Gottman of the University of Washington. He's brought thousands of couples back together on their way to divorce court. He says that he can sit with a couple for one hour that he's never met, and he can predict that they will be divorced within three years with 94% accuracy. You know what are he's looking for? Of course you do, because you want to stay married. Eye rolling, sarcasm, derision, dismissal, my friends, Contempt kills marriages. Contempt kills relationships. Contempt kills love. And contempt is ripping our country apart. We're like a couple on the rocks in this country. Don't believe it? Turn on primetime TV. Look at social media. Watch how we talk to each other. When I say we, I mean me getting ready for this. I looked at myself on YouTube on television. Having a debate about public policy with a woman that I didn't agree with. She made an ill-considered point, and I rolled my eyes. That's an unforced error. It's a habit, and it's tearing our society apart. So how do we break the habit of contempt? Some people say we need more civility. We need more tolerance. I say nonsense. Why? Because civility and tolerance are a low standard. If I told you that my wife Esther and I are civil to each other, you'd say we need counseling. (laughs) Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew didn't say tolerate your enemies. He said love your enemies. Love them. Answer hatred with love. So how are you going to do it? How am I going to do it? I'm going to give you three pieces of homework. I'm a Harvard professor. I get to give homework. This is your homework and mine. First, ask God to give you the strength to do this hard thing, to go against your human nature, to follow Jesus' teaching. You believe Jesus' teaching. Act like it. Me too. To love your enemies. Ask God to take political contempt from your heart. And sometimes when it's just too hard, ask God to help you fake it. (laughs) Second, make a commitment to somebody else to reject contempt. I mean, look, of course you're going to disagree. You need to disagree with other people. That's what makes America great is disagreement. It's the competition of ideas. That's part of democracy. That's right and good. But do it without contempt. Ask somebody to hold you accountable. If you're a public leader, maybe make that commitment publicly. And finally, Go out looking for contempt. It's your opportunity for moral perfection. Why? Because when people treat you with hatred and you answer with love, you're going to change the country. It's like being a missionary, isn't it? I have missionaries on both sides of my family. And the most amazing thing about missionaries is that they're full, so full of joy in the face of rejection. You know the words that nobody's ever said before? Oh, good. There's missionaries on the porch. Pretend we're not home. (laughs) And yet, they're full of joy. Why? Because there's darkness and they have light and they're bringing light to darkness. Now, if you can't find contempt to be a missionary, you need a wider circle of friends. You need more people who disagree with you. You're in an echo chamber. Look, this is your opportunity to show people what leadership is all about. Run toward the darkness, bring your light. My sisters and brothers, when you leave this National Prayer Breakfast today and go back to your lives, and you go back to your jobs, you're going to be back in a world where there's a lot of contempt. See it as your opportunity. I want you to imagine that there's a sign over the door as you leave. It's a sign that many of you have seen in churches. It's not a sign in churches coming into the church. It's the sign that you see over the doors going out into the parking lot. Here's what it says. You are now entering mission territory. If you see the world, if we see the world, outside this room is mission territory, who knows? We might just mark this day, February 6th, 2020, the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., as the point at which our national healing begins. My friends, thank you. God bless you. God bless America.
0: (laughs) Professor Arthur Brooks, author of Love Your Enemies, speaking at the 2020 National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. We hope you'll subscribe to the Notable Speeches podcast. That's easy to do in any podcast app. Or you can always listen online at NotableSpeeches.com. For a heads up on new episodes, follow us on Twitter at NotableSpeeches. If you'd like to email us with a comment or suggestion, here's the address, feedback at NotableSpeeches.com. I'm Joseph Slife. Thanks for listening.